Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Minnesota Rockstars podcast and today I have on the line with me Josh Vickers. Now Josh is my cousin and I'll tell you what he has come a long ways in his hunting career. I've watched him grow up. He's the little cousin so I got to witness everything you know throughout his career and um, man he is he's really taking the next step and he's laying down some hammers. Um, not only does he do a lot of hunting in state, he also does a ton of traveling. So if you're looking to take your game to the next step by getting out and doing some out-of-state hunts, this is something you might want to listen to because he gives some really good tips on how to get started. And then once you are in the game of going out-of-state hunting, some things you can do to continue to help um, hopefully improve the chances of you being successful. So make sure you take a listen here because there's some great information. Also, if you would, please make sure you like and subscribe uh, and follow all the things that we're doing. That helps uh, us and our partners um, continue to bring you guys great content. I love bringing you guys content because I like learning things, and that's what this podcast is all about. I want to learn more from other hunters out there that have been successful and from the hunters that haven't been successful. I want to learn from the success and the failures of everyone out there and i want you guys to learn as well and that's why we do what we do we enjoy what we do and that's why uh, we appreciate when you guys like and subscribe and follow to all of our stuff Um, it really helps us out so if you would do that we'd appreciate it and without further ado let's get to this interview josh does a great job and uh, i hope you guys enjoy it Well, welcome everybody again to another episode of the Minnesota Rackstar podcast, podcast, and I am your host, Joe Call, and today I'm joined by none other than my cousin, Josh Vickers. Josh, how are we doing today, man? Doing good. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Um, finally got the kids to bed. Uh, actually, one of them's still yelling at me, but uh, the other one's sleeping, and uh, things are starting to quiet down around here after a, a long day of... <laughs> parenting but uh, yeah getting things rock and rolling here and we'll get uh, we'll get right into it right away josh why don't you kind of tell everyone who you are and uh what you do for work because i think it's pretty interesting yeah um well as you said i'm your cousin joe got a wife and two kids just kind of like your everyday working man type of thing uh as far as my career goes i'm a product engineer for well federal ammunition so a pretty big ammo company for those not people who aren't aware of us um so i get to do a lot of cool stuff in the ammo space and around the industry and yeah it's pretty pretty fun yeah i'm always curious uh to see what you're up to at work and i know who to blame when i'm when i'm shooting rounds off and missing <laughs> birds uh why i'm not getting them so that's, that's who i go after every time it's not it's not the operator it's the engineer behind everything so right <laughs> but uh well i don't know what what's what's going on right now with you and uh your properties where you're hunting and stuff you know what what's the latest give me some updates mm, not a lot just got all my we got a little bit of rain over the weekend but we still need it still in quite a pretty damn dry um just put my all my cameras out the other weekend and it looks like most of my f- new food or not new but the ones that i um worked the soil this spring and planted they're they're struggling a little bit like kind of sounds like most people in our area you know central minnesota it's hasn't been too promising looking i got some stuff coming in but it's 
it's looking kind of bleak on the new stuff. Uh, however, I left three food plots in clover, chicory, alfalfa mixes, and those ones I haven't mowed yet. I just did my first round of uh, herbicide this past weekend, and since those ones we let go right away and they got some rain early on, they're actually looking not too bad, probably going in do a quick mow here before the before there's a good rain on the forecast. So those ones are looking promising, but the new ones I'm getting a little worried about because the the seed blend uh, we got from Domain is the that mother load blend. And it's kind of like peas, beans, buckwheat, um, and a few other things mixed in and got those in the ground. And we they got hit with the rain, but then it was dry for three weeks. And seems like the weeds might be starting to out-compete in some of the areas. So... I'm getting a little nervous that it might it might not be as lush and green and have as much tonnage as I was originally hoping. So, but I'm still gonna. I think I'm gonna wait till that August one to the August I don't know tenth mark before I decide if I'm gonna you know start from scratch with the brassica blender or not. Yeah, I hear you. You know, just like most of the the Midwest, we're we're going through a drought right now, and it's tough. <clears throat> um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough around here uh, with corn that there was enough ground moisture uh, to get the seed to germinate. And, uh, you know, mo- most of the corn is looking pretty good, but there are some fields around here. And I know Travis has a field right behind his house. And I, I saw a field down the road here where there's corn that is, I mean, you're looking at three, four feet tall. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's a bunch of bare spots with, seed that's just germinating so that shows the amount of moisture that was in the soil that got that seed to germinate and then we had nothing for moisture and then finally we had like an inch and a half two inches of rain and all of a sudden a month after planting those seeds are finally germinating which is just insane i just i just went and looked at my plot today josh and uh i have i have beans that are knee high and i have beans that are just finally sprouting from from that rain we had the other week so yeah it looks pretty ugly but the way i look at it is especially in those bean fields you're gonna have some green beans in there you know once the season starts if they're just germinating right now you're gonna you're gonna have some of that lush green you know um beans coming up that those deer are gonna enjoy i I did put up a uh electric fence solar panel around uh my beans and it's been doing a pretty good job but as things grow up they kind of ground out the wire and and uh kind of drain that battery a little bit yeah. so uh there was a couple deer that got in there i could tell some were nipped off but but it's looking pretty good for the most part um one thing i did do is i got about a i don't know a half acre quarter acre uh clover plot that i put in uh comeback kid from domain it's a mixture of clovers and, and alfalfa which i've had a lot of deer on in the past and it was it i left to go last year i didn't spray it um and i went out there the other day knowing that if it didn't bounce back after i mowed it i was going to till it up anyways and plant some type of brassica mix in there um here in a couple weeks so i so i went out there just did a little trial run see what the the mowing was going to do to it and we got a little rain after i mowed it but that thing is completely brown right now i mean it's just brown as all get out yeah so um I'm not expecting it to come back. I didn't really expect it to come back um, because of the drought, but uh, I'm probably going to work that up and, and put brassicas in there and then kind of move 
uh, that comeback kid plot to a different spot. But, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. With the drought, I, I think your best bet for the most part is is letting it go. Unless, like you said, if you know you got a good chance of rain coming up, um, mm-hmm. then you could go ahead and knock those weeds down. But, yeah, my, my plots, some of them are looking pretty good and some of them not so good. And I, I know that's the same for, for most of us out there in the Midwest yeah. right now. Yep, yep. Back on the germinating, I planted some of the domains incognito. And I have some, like you, kind of knee-high, which is looking pretty good. And some stuff, it looks like it just germinated, just like you were saying. I was kind of laughing. I'm going to hit it with some nitrogen before the next rain, too. But, you know, yeah. typically in the past, by now, it's at least head high from – they've had really good success with it. And this year, <laughs> no moisture. It's not looking nearly, nearly as good. But in my eyes, as long as it gets – it doesn't need to be 12 feet where I'm planting it. I just need it to be, you know, five to six feet. Just something for a little bit of cover to get in and out of the stand. And if I have to crawl, I'll crawl, you know. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, the the joys of uh, food plotting and uh, drought year. Hello, yeah, your buddy. I, I think... any... Go ahead. I was going to say, just imagine being a farmer like Travis. Yeah. No doubt, right? Oh. Yeah. Uh, buddy, send you any pictures yet? Some good bucks at all? Mm, no, for the most part, there's been a couple decent bucks that from my buddies, but. And uh, I got one decent one on camera so far, but nothing eye-popping yet. Um, seems pretty slow. I, I know most of my buddies are just starting to get their cameras out now. And normally that's a, a, you know, some at least some good intel for at least the area, what things are doing, what they're hitting. It seems like I, I did go glassing last night, and it did seem like there's a little bit on alfalfa from what I could see, but a lot of them were in the beans yet. <laughs> You know, in the, in yeah. the bean fields, you know, pretty at least more mature bean fields. It seemed like to be one of the most uh, ones that had the most deer in it. Yeah, um, I know. Uh, the other day, I was driving home from Wisconsin, and man, I think it was—I don't know what time did I send you guys that message? Like five o'clock in the afternoon, there was just deer out everywhere. I actually, saw a guy on the side of the road with with his spotting scope out, and I'm sitting there looking, trying to see what's going on, and my wife's asking me, what are you doing? I'm like, there's got to be a big buck out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, Suppose you start uh, thinking yeah, you know, what's again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just uh, started working with Tacticam this year, and uh, I put up the reveal on a property, and uh, man, is it nice having that, uh, that intel coming in and, mm-hmm. and seeing what's out there. And we got a property, you know, most of the properties I hunt, the bucks really don't show up till October, which is perfectly fine with me. But every now and then you see something come through. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, the bears not getting getting at the cameras and, and destroying them. That's always my biggest fear. Yeah, I haven't had too um, much. Let's 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 dive a little bit into your your hunting career here, Josh. Um, why don't you kind of give everybody a little background, kind of like where you started as a hunter and kind of where you are now, because you've you've taken a lot of nice deer you've, you've hunted in state out of state and you've been you know pretty successful here lately and just kind of let everybody know you know kind of how you've evolved as a hunter and you know obviously things don't just happen overnight i mean you got to learn no. things as you go there's people there that you listen to all that good stuff but just kind of let people know like how you've become as successful as you are right now yeah uh i guess first i'll kind of start with my upbringing around it, you know, I, I grew up obviously, you know, our side of the family, which is, would be my, the, my maternal side, my mother's side. 
And, uh, you know, I, all of you guys hunted and I was around, you know, some of the hunting camps with you guys and, you know, you and John and some of our older cousins, you know, it's kind of, as a little bit younger, you get to come back and see what you guys were up to. And that was always kind of cool. But I would say the, the biggest impact on me starting out young was my grandpa and my dad, um, both big time hunters. They were both, you know, pretty accomplished in their own right. My grand, my grandpa's, he's put, you know, quite a few nice deer on the ground and, um, so, you know, growing up, watching them two go on hunting trips and coming back with bucks in the bed of the truck, that was always something that kind of, you know, st- that, that's what really lit the fire for me. And so I was, you know, fortunate enough to have them start me out, you know, as soon as I was 12, I was in the woods, you know, chasing deer. Now, granted, you know, kind of fed me to the wolves a little bit, you could say, but I think that helped me out. You know, I, I can still remember my first buck. My dad put me in a little ground blind and, you know, not far from the house, but my, you know, mom and dad grew up on had the house on the river so you know pretty good movement just naturally there and um i remember that that first buck that i i shot he came in and uh, he, he's in here he's he's over here actually can't see my mother just a little seven pointer but that was you know the one that really got me going i remember when he came in i just remember thinking that thing was the biggest buck i'd ever seen you know not you know i thought i told my mom when i after i shot i told him you know i shot a monster and <laughs> we go out there and it's a you know, whatever it is, 50 inches or 40 inches, this little <laughs> basket seven, but uh, no, I probably shouldn't say this because you're not supposed to do this, but for safety, my dad and grandpa would give me a walkie talkie and they, you know, they'd let me know, you know, when it's time to come in and come out, you know, when I'm 12 and I was in line of sight, so everything was legal, but you know, we had, if, if you saw a doe, it was, you know, mom. And if you saw a bucket was dad and if you saw a real big bucket <laughs> with grandpa and i remember i got on that walkie talkie i just shot grandpa so I, I always wondered if anybody else had intercoms on and thinking i shot my grandpa on opening opening day of deer season <laughs> uh, you know i was 12 so i was what 18 years ago now i'm 31 or yeah. 19 years ago but um so yeah they got me going and you know i just remember you know, my dad and grandpa coming home from Montana with, you know, big muleys in the bed of the truck or my grandpa coming home from Iowa with, you know, just these mammoth whitetails. And I was like, holy moly. And, you know, so that that's what really got me going at a young age. And my dad got me my first bow when I was 14. And I think I shot a buck my second year bow hunting when I was 15. I shot a little eight pointer. And from there on out, I was pretty much hooked on bow hunting. I did have a little hiatus in college when I thought I was going to be a, a waterfall hunting guide and chasing ducks all over. I kind of put deer on the back burner and hunted waterfall quite a bit and slowly shifted back once I found out I had a lot better opportunities at killing big deer than killing a limited mallards back here at home. So <laughs> that, that quickly shifted. And from there, um, I don't know, I just I shot my first big one in like 2015. And that, that lit the fire for like real technical style hunting, I guess you could say. And pretty much from then up there on out, I've been hunting whitetails as much as I can. You know, like you said, I travel quite a bit. So I'll hunt in the Dakotas, Wyoming, Montana. I'll hunt all over any chance I can get a tag. And now it's whenever my wife lets me and the kids are being good. So, yeah, you got to play those cards too. So, so speaking of out of state, like, how did you decide, hey, I want to start going out of state hunting? Um, I think, you know, there's always that ambition from a young age. 
But the biggest part was, you know, and I think this rings true for most guys, because I see it with friends and, you know, acquaintances that I know and you, you communicate to. It's it's the fear and the hurdle of learning something new and, you know, being far from home and not, you know, having that kind of that safety net of, oh, I can just drive home tonight, you know. And so I know a lot of guys struggle with that. And um, thankfully, I have a couple of, re- you know, really good friends back here, back at home that kind of got my foot in the door and they showed me the ropes a little bit. And then from there on, I was just kind of hitting it hard. Yeah. It, uh, it's something, like you said, you get comfortable and you get in a groove and you just do what you're accustomed to doing. Um, you know, if I could push rewind, you know, before I got married, before I had kids, I I know for a fact that I would get out of state a lot more, you know, than than what I have been here recently. You know, I get out and go to South Dakota. I got a few places I want to get to yet. I've been out to Wisconsin before and some good counties out there, but, uh, I highly, highly, highly encourage everyone out there, male or female, um, if you got an opportunity to get out of state and go hunting, it doesn't matter what state you're in, get out and go. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, learn new things, challenge yourself. I know, Josh, you have been out hunting um, public land out of state. You went by yourself. You kind of had an idea where you're going. And you went out there and you ended up meeting somebody that owns some private out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened a couple of times actually where, you know, you just kind of run into the right people and obviously you got to be, you know, a semi, you know, a good steward of the land and the accesses and what you're doing. But yeah, you know, it's, it seems difficult, but you know, you hunt out there enough and you, you'll run into people that are nice. And, you know, I, yeah, I've hunted some great properties now for free, you know, not paying people just said, yeah, come on over and hunt my place. And, you know, it's been, and it's paid off and been pretty fruitful over the years. Um, but it's still hard. It's not, you know, some of these states have such good um, public land access that it's it's hard not to want to sneak over what's over the next hill on the next piece of public too. You know, you you know maybe that's a if I have any advice for people, it's you know don't feel like you're locked in on one thing. If things aren't going your way, like and you have the flexibility, go drive an hour away. You know, find something that's hot and fresh. And I I feel like that's what I've had pretty good success on. Um, the last few years is you know i don't necessarily feel like i'm locked into one specific property anymore i I, like even back here at home you know i can you can burn out a property and or you know not burn it out i mean you can do that you can run deer off but you know you can get burnt out from hunting the same thing and kind of get stagnant well that's i think for me anyways it's get out and go hunt somewhere new and get some fresh eyes and a new site and scenery and kind of you know keep your your fire going i was you know i tell my wife all the time you can't pour from an empty cup and i see it with my buddies all the time that you know you can you can get pretty burned down through the season especially if you're trying to shoot like an upper echelon type type of deer and you know it it can be a struggle because big bucks just don't run by you very often and you know you kind of it's got to be a equal parts of a little bit of luck and you know a lot of a lot of you know good decision making and priority making in my opinion that's the way i look at it kind of a long-winded yeah, conversation and a little bit of a derail there but you know no, you're, you're exactly right about. um you know I, I i have some permission properties that i hunt and i have some of my own properties and in all honesty i mean I don't know. I guess you could say it both ways. You can never have enough properties, but it is tough to hunt a lot of properties. You know what I mean? But like I said, all of a sudden, you know, last year I was throwing a curveball. I I had a great property that I was able to hunt 
And I, I thought for sure, I was so optimistic that I was going to shoot a nice deer or at least see a nice deer. And I'm talking the, the, the property around where this, this is at. I mean, you got a chance of shooting a 150, 160, 170 plus deer. I know a 190 that's been shot around that area. Mm-hmm. And I'm out there and I'm running cameras and I'm not seeing anything. And, and I'm wondering what the heck's going on. Well, here I take a day off work uh, early November and at nine o'clock in the morning, here comes a pack of uh, eight, eight timber wolves. And, and so, yeah. I mean, what, what's the point of hunting there? So then you go to a different property and that's, what's nice about mm-hmm. having, you know, plan A, B and C. Yeah. Exactly. Like you're talking about out, out, out of state, you know, having, multiple options so where do you find your information josh when you say okay i'm gonna go hunt this state like where do you do your research to find out you know where you want to go and and the tags and you know what's available and when you have to apply by how does that how's that process work um i guess for me uh, a lot of a little bit of e-scouting and just dropping a bunch of pins um before before i had kids and i had a little bit more time like i would take summer trips out there a month before the season and i would just run to all these properties and if they look good spend an evening there glassing you know where legal you know some of these you know pieces of public hunting you you like walk-in access stuff you can't go on until you know opening season date for instance um but yeah just driving around and kind of checking pieces off you know checking properties off the list or or keeping them on the list and then drilling it down from there and kind of heading out there, you know, when that, that opening trip, you know, not necessarily opening day, but opening trip and, you know, spend a good day there. And if you feel like you're inside or seeing deer and some of the, you know, some of the stuff that I've hunted is more, you know, open rolling Hills, you know, and like the Dakotas and stuff like that. And, um, you can normally glass pretty well. I mean, you're not going to see every deer, you're not going to see every buck, but you can probably, you can get a pretty good feel off the bat, at least, you know, in my sense, and maybe that's, that's hurt me over the years because I left properties too early, but, um, but just kind of run until you find deer and sign of what you want. You know, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm like a, a trophy hunter. I mean, I am, but you know, like I'm looking for like a solid 130 most of the time. If if I see a 130 or 140, it's for sure gonna get get an arrow flung at it. You know, until I feel like I got a few more of those on the wall. Um, so those those ones aren't as difficult to come by as say you know a guy chasing booners. Um, so it, you know that probably opens up a few more properties to me. But I've seen a lot of big deer hunting out of state. You know, I've seen a lot of them, and they're in state too. And I think you know you know don't want to put like the emphasis on hunting out of state, but even in your own state, you know, don't be afraid to drive an hour, two hours, you know, at least for us, Minnesota is a big state and there's properties all over Minnesota that are, are good and hold deer. And I, I still feel like there's parts of Minnesota that are get a little bit overlooked. Um, so without shedding too much light on before my buddies don't have 18 text messages saying, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. It's, it's, but it's, you know, it's there's local stuff here. where I live. That's good. You know, there's, there's big, big pieces of public in Minnesota, you know, and there's lots of room for hunters and lots of room for deer. You just gotta, you gotta be smart. Uh, I would say that's a big thing. And, you know, I know the rave is go deep, go deep in the public land. And I don't know that that's always the case, which I think just hunting smart and being good at observing, you know, where other people are going, where they're not and stuff like that. Well, I know, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, my brother was hunting some public and he brought a friend with to go hunt and, and my brother went, you know, towards the back and, and his buddy was hunting like almost right next to the, the parking area. 
And mm-hmm. I think he saw like 13 deer that first morning, like just yeah. right next to the parking area. Like you said, I mean, you don't yeah. necessarily have to go deep. You have to be in the right spot, you know, and, you know, it depends on the time of year, you know, you look at the rut. I mean, every spot's a good spot, you know, when it comes to rut time, but yeah. um, you talked about the state and having so much public land. We, we do have a lot of public here and, mm-hmm. That's, I, I had a conversation with a uh, uh, retired conservation officer, and he, he talked about how the state of Minnesota provides lots of opportunities for people to get out and go hunting. Now, two things I want to ask you here, Josh, um, being, being you have kids and, and whatnot, um, back in the day, you and I were the same. You could not hold the firearms until you were 12. You had to wait. Now they've mm-hmm. bumped that age down. What 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 is that age now? For rifles? Or for uh, anything to go hunting. Is there I is there an was... age limit? No, I think it's still 12 for big game. Um, but turkey, waterfall, and I think small game, there's there's younger age restrictions. Okay. I know turkey and think, waterfall for sure you can go younger. I don't know about the big game. I haven't polished up on okay. the exam. Because I think big game, I know for sure ten years old, if they're with a, a guardian mm-hmm. or whatever, they can they can be out there and hunt. Yeah. Um and I know you took took your son out this year turkey hunting stuff. Like yeah. what what's your thoughts on that? Are you are you pro? Are you for lowering that age, keeping that age down there? Or let's just say big game. Okay. Let's let's just mm-hmm. say it's no longer twelve. You can go out earlier. What's what's your thoughts on that? Um, I guess I don't have too strong of an opinion one way or the other. I guess when it, the way I look at it is, you know, hopefully the parents are doing the due diligence, and you know, I'm all about having a great experience. You know, that I, for instance, you know, I took my son to this year. He just turned five this summer, so he, you know, he was like almost five when we went. Um, but we we practiced. I made sure he could shoot. Um, you know, I, I wanted it to be a close shot. I think, you know, you can turn kids off right away by having, you know, a poor experience. And, you know, when I look at gun season, and I'm not for moving the gun season up, but we do have an early youth season, um, you know, it cannot be a – the weather isn't always the greatest in November. We know I like piss poor weather, but I can promise you my five-year-old, he's not going to last very long and when it's, if it's cold and snow or sleet. So, I, you know, I just – my main point would be is – the overall experience for that individual and keeping them hooked. And so I feel like the younger you go, the more risk you have with making it a, a poor experience. And if, you know, the adult, the, the guardian per se, isn't doing this due diligence or he or she's due diligence to, you know, make sure that that young of a kid is shooting properly, shooting accurately, you know, doing the right things ahead of the season. I, I you know, I just be afraid that, you know, you'd risk, um, you know, having a poor experience for that that young individual. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. And, um, you know, that's one thing I think about too, with, with my kids and I really want to teach them, you know, the importance of safety first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, even with, with shooting a gun, you know, all of a sudden you introduce them to a, a caliber gun where all of a sudden they feel that recoil of the gun and they're like, Nope, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Like you said, there's so many variables there where you could turn them off, which you don't want to, you want to make it the best experience possible. Um, But the other thing that I really liked about back 
when it was, you know, you had to wait till 12 was I just, to me, and this is me, this is my own personal feelings and thoughts is that I, when I was 10, when I was 11, you know, and even younger than that, my mom and dad always brought me with and, and all my siblings with when we were out, when they were out hunting and you just couldn't wait to do it. So when that opportunity finally came, it just mm-hmm. felt like I appreciated it so much more. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You know, as I got older and I had to wait, no, you can't do this yet. You can't do this yet. You're too young. Oh, yeah. And then also finally get that opportunity. It was just amazing. I, I just, I, I'll never forget that feeling I had of trying to sleep the night before, you know, and, and just thinking about the deer that I was going to see and all that good stuff. Um, I, to me, it just made me feel like I appreciate hunting a whole lot more being, I had to, do my time, you know, in the minor leagues and wait to, you know, to get up to the big leagues. Yeah. And when I hit 12 years old, it was my time to shine, you know? So I, I think there's oh, yeah. something there said about that. But like you said, if the parents are doing a good job and they feel that their, their child is right, yep. it's up to them to make that call. Yep. That, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm for lowering it. I would probably be a proponent to keep it at 12, but you know, who am I to say if, if a kid's ready, he's ready. So, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think somebody younger than they should be, should, you know, be not be doing it because, right. you know, just because of their age. Um, it's kind of my two so, cents. That's good. No, that's, that's good. I like that. Um, so I got, we got about a couple minutes here left, Josh. Yep. The biggest topic here in Minnesota right now is crossbows. Okay. What are your thoughts on crossbows and the new regulation where anyone can use a crossbow throughout the entire archery season? Yeah, it's a sensitive subject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I would say that um, I don't, I don't feel that crossbows. Um, should be legal for the entire archery season. You know, and I know that there'd be our crossbow guys saying, well, vertical bows shouldn't be legal the whole archery season either. Um, I understand that. Um, but I've shot them. I understand, you know, they're, they're you can't argue that they're more accurate. It's just, it is, that's the plain truth. The more accurate you can put them on a rest, you can do a lot more stuff, you know, to increase, you know, hunter harvest success. Um, you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't use them. If, if, if you can't draw a vertical bow, if, um, you know, you, you, you got some, like a handicap thing where, where it just makes it more accessible for you to get in the stand. And I understand that, that I'm not anti crossbow for, you know, people to stay out of the woods, but I think for anybody, you know, willing and able, I think, um, you know, a vertical bowl would, would be just fine for, you know, the whole archery season. Um, I'm trying to put my thoughts together here where I'm at. I've thought about this a bunch, but it's hard, hard to get it all in a, a good way. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously not a shotgun. It's not a rifle, but there, there's something to be said that, you know, the archery vertical bows and especially, you know, traditional bows, the more primitive you get, the harder it gets. And that's why, you know, that's why all of our, most archery seasons are longer because it is, it is more difficult. Um, so when you introduce the crossbow to the full up archery season, you know, my, my greatest fear is that, you know, the Minnesota deer herd is going to 
suffer more than, you know, than the pressure, you know, the individual pressure, you know, at first, just from spots, you know, there, there's definitely going to be more guys hunting. You know, I've heard of it. I know people, you know, oh, I'm going to shoot, get to hunt all season now, you know. So I've heard it. Um, it's just okay, we kind of got to wait and see what happens to the herd and, and you know, if, if it really sticks or not. You know, I, I know some guys are saying from some of these other states where it's been legal that, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't affect it. But, but I don't know if I believe it or not yet. Yeah, a guy would have to pull up the the numbers online with those states and see and compare from the previous years yeah. on, on what the the success rate is. Yeah. Um, you but know, I think like, it's hard. like you said, let's say I think it, it might be hard because how many guys are switching from vertical to crossbow, and if 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 the game and fish or the DNR or whatever the conservation agency is in that state doesn't do an adequate job of or not adequate, but you know, a detailed question of the hunter harvest. You know, if they just say archery season tag gets filled, how are they going to know if, you know, say, 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 you know, a state shot 10,000 bucks a piece. Well, how many more were attributed to crossbows versus, right? you know, vertical balls, compounds? Yeah. And, you know, I actually listened to a really good podcast um, the other day and a couple guys were debating the, the crossbow thing and one was for it and the other one was against it. And, mm-hmm you weren't going to change either one of their minds and, and that's probably the way it's going to be, you know, for everyone. But, um, the, the side that, you know, obviously like there's a reason why they had crossbows legal for people over the age of, what was it? 60. Yeah. 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 It might be be 60. And, and people who had disabilities, there's a reason why they had that Mm -hmm. legal for them because it's easier. It, it, yeah. is, it is easier. And the reason why the archery season is as long as it is, is because it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to harvest a deer with a compound bow, a uh, long bow, whatever you're using. It is extremely difficult. Um, even with the upgrades that they've made with the bows, it is mm-hmm. extremely difficult. Um, but so, so I'm kind of the same with you. Like if, if maybe this is a little extreme, but if, in my mind, and like I said, if you use a crossbow, I don't care. You use whatever you want. It's legal. Do whatever you want. In states that allow baiting, go for it. It's legal. Whatever. Do whatever right. you want to do. I'm not criticizing anyone. But my thoughts are, it, like I said, maybe this is a little extreme, but if if you have a separate season for firearms and muzzleloader, mm-hmm. then why isn't there a separate season for compound archery longbow traditional and then right. your and then your crossbow like the in my mind there should probably be a separate season if there's not gonna be a separate season well then allow firearms during muzzleload in season two because that's that's the way i kind of see it um i bought my father-in-law a crossbow a couple years ago he helped me build my garage he wouldn't accept any money so i bought him a crossbow and i said you're gonna come hunt with me and uh the first time i shot that bow it was a bullseye I think at about 60, 70 yards. You know how many times I've hit a bullseye at 60, 70 yards with my Parker, you know, my, my compound, like <laughs> hopefully a lot. Yeah, no, no I've never <laughs> drilled, you know, right. that, that, that bullseye at that far. And, and we backed it all the way out to a hundred. It's, it's insane how accurate these things yeah. are, you know, back in the day, yeah. you know, they say they weren't as accurate, but now 
I mean, you can drive tax with that thing. And to me, that's, that's a whole different level. And, yeah. um, I mean, we can say whatever we want, Josh, uh, what it comes down to is the people that make these rules and regulations. And, uh, mm. that's all that matters in the end. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But, uh, well, it, it is what it is and you got to play the cards you're dealt and, and go with it and just, uh, mm-hmm. make the best of it. And, and keep moving on. Like I said, we don't criticize or look down upon anyone that's going to use crossbows this year. And, um, you know, I'm going to keep challenging myself. I'm a type of guy where, in all honesty, when when I was in, you know, elementary, I would pick some of the people to be on my team that weren't the greatest athletes because I like challenges, and that's why I like bow hunting because it's a challenge. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like using guns too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, and and – in all honesty, I, I might use a crossbow late season. If, if I don't have a doe on the ground or something, I might pull out the crossbow and, and go get a doe, you know, being that there's plenty around. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Time time will tell, I guess. But um, Josh, anything that you want to add before we wrap things up here? Any topic, anything, any shout-outs, any, anything that you want to uh, go over here before we, we close this book? Yeah. Uh, how many minutes we got left? Because it could get long-winded. Um, I thought it was thirty, but we're going on thirty-six minutes, so we're still going. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so go well, for I it. Guess, I guess my uh, if I was had to say one thing or something I think about pretty frequently in in this space in terms of hunting whitetails or or mostly anything is, you know, there's been a lot of new onset hunters, or maybe not, not maybe not even I wouldn't even call them new onset hunters, but it seems like to me that the last four or five years, there's a lot more guys who went from just, you know, the traditional deer camps to I'm going to be a hardcore big buck killer that haven't killed a lot of big bucks. You know, I don't know if that, if that feels true to you too, but you know, it, it, everybody wants to shoot a big buck and trust me, everybody. And I do too. And I, I know I've shot some nice deer, but I haven't shot like anything world class. You know, you can see these, I got a handful of those behind me, you know, the 110 inches, the 120 inches, and I got, you know, a handful up to 160. Um, but you know, don't, I see so many guys that just want to go out and they hold on and they pass and they're passing, in my opinion, you know, really nice deer, deer that I would, I'd probably be happy to shoot, you know, like that 130 class in there, but they're holding out for, you know, super megas. And I just don't know that the, the skill set's always there. And so, you know, I got, I just would like to remind people, you know, it's, it's okay to climb the ladder and, and kind of build it up because guess what happens when that first big one does come in front of you, your heart starts pumping pretty hard. And I, I kind of feel like you got to earn your stripes a little bit. And, you know, so I would just be one thing that, I, that I would recommend to people is, you know, don't be afraid to shoot, you know, decent bucks. And to be honest, most people, when they see a 130, a 120, even a 115 walking through the woods, for most people, it's probably one of the bigger bucks they've ever seen on hook. And it's and it's a great deer. Um, I listen to a fair amount of podcasts, and I, I consume quite a bit of um, content because I'm always looking for that, you know, little nugget of information or that little nugget of tech stuff. So, you know, I listen to guys like Tony Peterson and Andy May and, you know, some of those guys that are, you know, kind of – they seem like they're kind of growing in popularity now, but I think they're growing in popularity because they're – they're kind of like the blue collar and, and they've earned their stripes and they're, you know, they've, they kind of do it the right way and they, they don't shame, you know, and those guys have killed a pile of deer, you know, and they've killed a lot of big bucks, but they've killed a lot of bucks, you know, 
in the probably the 110 to 130 range too and they, they're always happy so you know just i can't stress enough don't don't be afraid to pull the trigger if it's your if it's your biggest buck i say kill it yeah and, and i would agree um i can't remember who it was i just heard this the other day uh i think it was mark jury he said shoot what your heart desires yeah you know, if, it, if it makes your heart pump go for it that's yeah. kind of my rule of thumb now if it gets my exactly. heart going it's it's a good chance it's getting an arrow or a bullet flung in its direction people ask me all the time is this a shooter is this a shooter <laughs> you decide what a shooter is i'm not yeah. deciding for you what a shooter is when you see right. that deer come in and your knees start knocking you can watch some of my, my videos on youtube after i shoot a deer there's a couple of videos I can hardly even talk. There's one video I had to sit down and almost hang under the tree. I was shaking so bad. That's what a shooter is right there. And and right, one of them exactly. hanging on the wall here. I don't even know if he broke 100 inches. I mean, it's just a really nice, yeah. heavy eight-pointer that, you know, was around that 200 pounds field dress. But that's what got me going, and that's what I considered was a shooter, and I went for it. Um, the other thing, too, to go along with that, Josh, not only bucks, shoot some does. Shoot oh, some yeah. does. If you're just oh, yeah. if you're just starting, even with, with people who are just gonna be starting with crossbows now, shoot some does. Oh. Get get that feeling. Opening going, weekend and going. Going. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yep. But I mean, I'm I've killed deer with my bow and I still don't feel like I'm hundred percent proficient. You know, I've probably killed more than you know most people, you know, and yeah. I'm still trying to get better and and work on, you know, getting through the moment. I've been pretty lucky to get a little bit of ice in my veins at the moment of truth, you know, but it, but when I first see those deer, I oh, my heart's always ticking. When when you decide that mm -hmm. I'm going to shoot this deer, it doesn't matter what it is, things get real in a hurry. <laughs> you oh, know, big time. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a doe or a buck. Like like it's game on, and all of a sudden the blood starts flowing, and that's what you need to experience. That's why you can't frown upon people shooting does. I mean, or yourself shooting no. a doe, because when yeah. that moment of truth comes, you got to execute. Um, I got a video that's going to come out here, hopefully in the near future. I wanted to make the video, um, this past spring when we went shed hunting, but, uh, I had a little incident last year when I decided I was going to shoot a doe and, uh, it was on the last day of the season for myself. Um, and, uh, let's just say when I, when I hit the release on my bow, there was a big bang in the stand and uh we'll, we'll leave it at that you guys are gonna have to tune into another time and uh maybe do a little podcast on that hunt or i'll get that video rocking and rolling but let's just say uh the the doe stood there and looked at me wondering what the heck just happened and uh she wasn't the only one wondering that because i was wondering the same thing what the heck happened <laughs> <laughs> just i'm just only because laughing because i know the story. Oh man just because you decide you're gonna you're gonna shoot something doesn't always mean that it's it's gonna go down but um, well, Josh, thanks thanks for joining me today. Um, I want to thank all of our sponsors out there, Arctic Shield, uh, Domain Outdoor. You guys, you guys have been with us here from the start. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough. Fourth Arrow Camera Arms, you guys are awesome. And then also Tacticam this year. Um, we really appreciate everyone else out there listening, watching, all that stuff. The more you guys, you know, support us, the more content we can bring you. So. Make sure you like and subscribe all our stuff we're putting out there. Um, not only does that help motivate us, but it helps motivate our partners to continue working with us. And we really enjoy doing what we do. Once again, Josh, thanks for uh, joining me tonight. And uh, everyone have a good night. Yeah, thanks, Joe.